Tony Breidinger is the first female Arab-American NASCAR driver, and she's only 22. My dad got us a go-kart and kind of just went off from there. We just traveled all over the country doing go-kart races, and I just knew that. I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be a race car driver. Breidinger is the latest guest on WBGO Studios' Sports Jam with Doug Doyle. Catch all the podcast episodes on the NPR list of podcasts or at wbgo.org slash sportsjam. North Dakota ever had a jazz sound? Well, I think we've maybe found it. Or maybe it's now Arizona jazz. We'll find out. The once LA-based pianist, singer-songwriter, and producer Rachel Eckroth. Her compositions are quirky, unpredictable, and severely underrated. And her music sneaks up on you as you become more acclimated to her universe. And although her artistry isn't as recognized as it probably should be, Hopefully all of that will be changing soon as her originality is the sign of a true artist. So welcome Rachel Eckroth to the show. I'm so happy we can finally do this. Thank you. Thanks for that epic intro. <laughs> that's that's uh, the biggest intro I've ever had. Now, actually, I, I did spend a, um, a good part of my adulthood in New York City as well. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably where the jazz comes from. <laughs> Your latest recording is called The Garden, which is very much a departure from your other recordings. But all of your recordings are departures, I feel like. Wherever the wind is blowing and whatever the temperature is, your creative muse takes you there, in a way. Yeah, totally. But in this case, your ridiculously gorgeous voice is mostly left off this entire record, which is obviously the most (laughs) noticeable thing. That, I mean, I guess that's true if you know me as a singer. I mean, a lot of people actually don't know me as a singer, and I didn't start writing songs until I was 30, so everybody before that really thinks me of me as a pianist, a keyboardist. So it's an interesting little path that I've taken so far. Well, let's first of all just jump into this new recording, and then we'll get into your background. Absolutely. This is called Dracina.
So do you have any uh, succulent shrubs in your home in Arizona now? <laughs> I have I have a lot that have died, and I have a couple that have lived. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I try to um, I try to keep my plants alive, but I go on the road a lot, so it's a little tricky. Just as an exercise for us to be more familiar with your just insanely varied work over the years, I would love to just take our listeners on an evolution of Rachel Eckroth. Sure. Uh, beginning with when you were uh, writing big band arrangements. Um, you know, nothing was really recorded except that except when I was at UNLV. And that's where um, you went to college to study jazz. That's where I went, did my undergrad, and I did my grad school at at Rutgers, actually. But yeah, I was writing large ensemble stuff when I was first in school, and and also you know small group whatever and becoming a pianist. And then when I got to New York, which was about age 24, I joined up with the BMI Composers Workshop. So I was doing a lot of writing at that point and occasionally getting it played because it, you know, having a, a big band is hard to put together. And then you come out in 2014, basically, uh, with your first statement, let go, which is just incredible, by the way. Close your eyes and sleep. It's a really beautiful record. And there's so much in there, too. I was, like, astonished. Oh, man, thanks. And that was, like, the North Dakota jazz thing that I was hearing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> No, I, I uh, started songwriting, so I had just moved back. Uh, I had just, I guess you could say, moved back to New York. So there was a little bit like in between my New York stints. There was some Arizona in there. So I moved back and I found a way to um, record all these songs that I've been writing. So, so I went in the studio and I was still kind of in a jazz head in a way trying to arrange and trying to put in horns and everything. And so, yeah, I think the result was kind of cool. And I have a lot of songs that I still play to this day on that record. In the morning, sunrise, I'll be, I'll be gone with no warning. So you can close your So then, you know, you go into When It Falls in 2018. That dress looks better on her than it ever would on me. What is the Rachel Eckroth headspace <laughs> now? What are you trying to achieve with the garden? I'm kind of going back to my roots. <laughs> so, <laughs> so back to... Um, writing and even though it's in a smaller format like a smaller group format a lot of it is sort of like how I hear big bands um, some of the arranging within the pieces and, and I just I just wanted to play again and not think about singing <laughs> so so 
So, I mean, singing's there still, but I, you know, and there's the one track where I do sing on the record, but, um, but I just wanted to really get into soundscapes and improvising again and just kind of get my fingers moving again. Under a fig tree is maybe this representation of a big band in, in this small ensemble. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's sort of the way that I compose these large ensembles is totally in that style. You know, it's kind of like the bass and the piano have like a figure that goes together. Just the way the whole thing progresses is very uh, my writing style in terms of large ensembles.
under a fig tree. Here with Rachel Eckroth on the checkout. The other thing that we hear from you for the first time in any other parts of your discography, you're really playing the crap out of that piano. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like some extended <laughs> solos and, and all that stuff. And that was like obviously a, a decision, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a that's a big part of it. Just you know, solidifying my identity as a keyboardist and an improviser. And you know, it it's really weird because it's it's where I started. You know, I when I was fifteen, I started getting to jazz, and so I was studying everybody. And obviously, went to school. I got a degree in in jazz piano two degrees you know and, as, and I was playing with everybody around the town around around New York and what every other city that I've lived in and and uh you know it was it was just the direction that music took me you know I was I was a sideman a lot of the time so and that was not just for jazz projects but it's been for everything from like R&B bands to um you know now St. Vincent so I'm all over the place. Bye. So like, it just made sense for me to like dive into writing songs because I really felt deep about it, you know, and I started to see that I could actually write words and it took me a long time to do that. And, um, and you know, I can, I can write a decent song now, I think. Catch a falling star, fall in love with who you are. No one can tell you the path I took and and underneath all of that I was still practicing and still like listening and still you know watching and and checking out what's going on so just you know here I am again why don't we explore the most traditional sounding jazz piano playing I would say even though you're on keys you're not actually on a grand piano but on this tune vines
This is a very different sound than basically what you became famous for. Going to see Rachel Eckroth and you play Vines, you'll probably piss off all of your audience. Maybe, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> They're like, what is this? I mean, it depends on the audience. That's the, the hard part about my whole career has been that I've got like three different audiences or four different audiences and only a, you know, a small amount of people within um, come together to they just like whatever I do. One of them is my mom. And then, <laughs> yeah, it really depends on where I'm playing and who's coming to watch because if it's somebody that really loves um, When It Falls, the album that, that I did in 2018 that was very like synthy pop almost, kind of alternative like synths, whatever. Um, they they might not be into it. I don't know, or they might. You might. I might be surprised. Maybe for you, it's better out there. I don't care. Maybe you're only halfway here. So, how would you divide those four audiences as you know it? Um, okay, so there's like the traditional jazz people, those people tend to be more in Arizona. And then, um, and then crazy jazz. The like crazy, New York. The, the crazy yeah. jazz people. Yeah, that's like this garden. Uh, this like album. your husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody who likes him would like this album. So, and he produced. For those it, that so. don't know, your partner, musical partner in crime, is Tim Lefebvre. Right, bassist and more. And so that's like on know, that more fusiony tip. Can be, yeah, yeah, on the more electronic sound <laughs> and then there's the kind of vocal people the people that like my lyrics sometimes I think about my life and the way it went and I thank God it didn't go the way I planned I can't think of a fourth category but well your fourth would have to be all the people that love you via Rufus Wainwright sure just to be associated with an artist like St. Vincent or Rufus Wainwright. These are just incredible, one-of-a-kind artists. They have insane followings. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, when I was playing with Rufus, I was also opening for him as like a one-woman show. So I had a bunch of keyboards set up and uh, like a sampler and some beats and stuff. So I was like mixing them all together and making my songs happen. Um, so people people liked that a lot. It was a lot different than what Rufus does, but th some people are still kind of hanging on watching what I'm doing. And the same with St. Vincent. She's got a lot of like super fans that have checked out my music. So I'm grateful for that. And the new St. Vincent band is essentially a jazz band, even though they're not playing jazz, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of musicality in, in there. And there's actually everybody comes from really widely um, varying styles. Me and Mark um, Juliana are like the jazzers of the group. 
and then the the other two guys in the the instrumentalists they're kind of more like rock punk dudes so it all fits together in a really cool way really interesting One of the great things about the garden uh, that is sort of in, in line with a, a lot of your other recordings is this very sharp attention to detail. The choices of sounds creating more of like an atmosphere, an environment that back up the songs, probably that goes in tandem with your experience in arranging for big bands. How do you describe the Rachel Eckroth signature layering orchestral sound? I could talk about the garden, this, the title track. I have a kind of, right now, like a plethora of keyboards at my disposal, so sometimes I'll actually start writing on the keyboard and then I'll use that for the sound. So like for instance, I use the Prophet 6, Dave Smith Prophet 6 keyboard. It's just a vibe in itself. So. You know, as opposed to like writing for jazz, you know, everything's acoustic for the most part, usually. You know what it's going to sound like. And so with synths, it's kind of, you know, everything's at your disposal where you can tweak the knobs and just get a little bit different sound than what you, what the person next to you would do. So having all those things available, it, it just makes for like great experimentation. In terms of like details and all of that stuff, it's almost like an after effect. Like the details almost come after I choose the sounds and after I choose the effects we're gonna use. It's creating these details that I maybe didn't think about before. So like the details I'm thinking about are um, the arc of the piece and space and texture, but then you get all these little extra effects and like, and Tim, has a big role in that because he's he's producing and he's kind of a master at pedals, effects pedals. On top of that, we had um, our mixing engineer Jason Kingsland do a bunch of after effects as well. So all these little things you hear in your right and left ears are like the result of him tweaking after we've already tweaked. So there's a lot of tweaking going on. You're probably like late at night turning a knob, just <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's like every night in our house too. It's like just tons of pedals and keyboards and weird things everywhere. So.
On your composition, uh, Dried Up Roots, you're lyrically suggesting that you may have um, lost your way. And your, your career is just so all over the place, like you said, and which has maybe been one of your challenges in building a loyal following. So with those lyrics specifically on a tune like Dried Up Roots, is that an, a slightly inward looking autobiographical in nature? Yeah, you're the first person who's gotten it right. <laughs> Yay, yeah, it's actually like, I mean, it's maybe a little corny, but it's, um, yeah, it's basically about like spending, you know, the first part of my musical journey on, on jazz and the, trying to be a jazz musician and then just taking a 180 and like going somewhere else and then trying to come back to find that no one's left. You know what I mean? According to the plans they sent, the hole they dug, they left me there, they pulled the rug. This difficult, very recent time period that we've been on, your musical schizophrenia, for lack of a better definition, <laughs> has really been pronounced. Oh yeah, all in a short amount of time. <laughs> a very short span of time. Yeah, totally. Pandemic happened and Tim and I put together a Patreon page where we were making, uh, we were producing a song a week. And that was in the early stages before we got really tired of doing it. Having fun when the world is ending. I know. It, and it, yeah, it kind of is about that. I actually put out a track that was more of like a R&B jazz kind of thing with a singer named Cy Smith that I wrote and she sang on. And that was a kind of my, one of my like trying out production songs I don't know where this is headed but I'd like to find out you got me started Then we get to the EP, I think is after that, where I wrote some songs with David Garza, who is a great songwriter and artist himself, and he produces a bunch of people. Um, so we did some like very stripped down, kind of like, you know, no click in the studio kind of songs. I looked at the TV. And I couldn't believe what a well we did, what a life we breathe. I'm passing the time now by drinking the water, cause the deeper you go, the better. 
also during this period, we assigned you with the task of uh, making a video for our Alone Together series, mm-hmm. uh, where it's just you and Tim uh, playing together. And even though you're this dynamic power couple of sorts, it was really only during the pandemic where you started to really become a duo together. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, it was kind of out of necessity, you know, and, and the timing of it, you know, like, obviously we're married, so we're going to eventually be like playing together. Obviously. No. I heard you wrote a song about my eyes with a melody of lovely lies. Now I love to sit and watch you dig your grave. Cause a man like you can never be saved. The pandemic it was kind of the first time we were actually in one place together for a long amount of time. And we couldn't get near anybody else. <laughs> so so we're like, oh, you know, we can do these things. We can play together and we have all these like, drum machines and ways to make full songs happen here. And we were doing all these crazy improvisations and recording them. And there was a lot of collaborating happen, happening here and still, still now. Well, in this little, uh, hopefully, montage of music we just heard, we can bring all of your fans together to one place recognize all of the layers and dimensions of Rachel Eckroth. We look forward to seeing you back in New York for your full circle. Yeah. 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 It's It's going to happen. It's probably time for me to move back there now, right? You're probably going to be so tired of the country. (laughs) Yeah, right. You're going to be like, I need some noise in my life. Yeah, exactly. Give Give me some broken appliances. When you sing to me, your words don't mean. This is Rachel Eckroth's original composition, Words Don't Mean, featuring her musical partner in crime, the double bassist Tim Lefebvre, performing as part of our Alone Together Duets 
series, a Jazz Night in America and the Checkout co-production. And you can watch this video by going to our website right now at checkoutjazz.org. If you hear a song in blue. And definitely make sure to check out Rachel's newest recording on Rainy Day Records, The Garden. And it features all kinds of badass jazz musicians near Felder, Donnie McCaslin, Andrew Krolisnikov, Austin White, also Tim Lefebvre, and Christian Human. And if all this hybrid jazz, rock, jazz, folk, jazz, electro, jazz, R&B, music doesn't suit your interests, well, guess what? Rachel Eckroth and Tim Lefebvre also made two editions of Jazz Standards records called the Blackbird Sessions, and that's what you're listening to right now, the classic Prelude to a Kiss. That was my heart trying to Compose a prelude to a kiss. And if you want to hear all of our other music, well, I guess you'll just have to go to a streaming platform or just go to our website, rachelekroth.com. There you can find out about becoming a part of Tim and Rachel's Patreon community. I hope you have subscribed to the Checkout Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you subscribe to it on Apple Music, for instance, give us a review. That would be absolutely swell. We'd really appreciate that. And you can follow us on social media, at Checkout Jazz is our Twitter handle. You can find me on Instagram. The Checkout is a production of WBGO Studios. I'm Simon Rentner. Thanks for checking us out. This has been a WBGO Studios production. To learn more about WBGO Studios' award-winning podcasts, special concerts, live streams, and more, visit wbgo.org studios.